Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hello there. Welcome back to this little podcast of the New Testament that we're doing here. We're going to be doing Hebrews chapter 12 today. So I'll read the heading to the chapter first of all. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. God is the Father of spirits. To see God follow peace and holiness, exalted saints belong to the church of the firstborn. Alrighty, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. All the people he mentioned in the previous chapter is what he's talking about, get in condition for the race. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Neil Maxwell said, We must realize that the weight of the cross is great enough without our also carrying burdens that we could jettison through the process of repentance. Paul gave us wise counsel in this regard when he said, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. It is much more difficult for us to carry the cross when our back is already bent with the burdens of bad behavior. Verse 3, For consider him that endureth such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Orson F. Whitney said, No pain that we suffer, no trial that we experience is wasted. It ministers to our education, to the development of such qualities as patience, faith, fortitude, and humility. All that we suffer and all that we endure, especially when we endure it patiently, builds up our characters, purifies our hearts, expands our souls, and makes us more tender and charitable, more worthy to be called the children of God. And it is through sorrow and suffering, toil and tribulation, that we gain the education that we come here to acquire, and which will make us more like our Father and Mother in heaven. Verse 6, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealing... Or God dealeth with you as with sons, for what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? If God didn't want us back, he wouldn't help us to become clean so that we can return to his presence. Verse 8, But if ye be without chastisement, whereof are whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, ye have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised which are exercised thereby. We need to be chastened. Richard G. Scott said, No one wants adversity, trials, disappointments, sadness, and heartache come to us from two basically different sources. Those who transgress the laws of God will always have those challenges. The other reason for adversity is to accompany the Lord's own purpose, or is to accomplish the Lord's purposes in our life that we may receive the refinement that 
comes from testing. It is vitally important for each of us to identify from which of these two sources come our trials and challenges, for the corrective action is very different. When you face adversity, you can be led to ask many questions. What am I to do? What am I to learn from this experience? What am I to change? Who am I to help? How can I remember my many blessings in times of trial? Willing sacrifice of deeply held personal desires in favor of the will of God is very hard to do. Yet when you pray with real conviction, please let me know that thy will and may thy will be done. You are in the strongest position to receive the maximum help from your loving Father. Verse 12, Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down, and strengthen the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame, or be turned out of the way, but let us rather be healed. Follow peace with all men, and holiness, without which no man can see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail, of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright, for ye know how that afterward, when ye, sh when ye would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. Or for he, when, for when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. This verse is poorly written, what, <laughs> and poorly spoken, I guess, too. This verse is poorly written. What Esau sought carefully with tears was not repentance, but the blessings of the birthright which he had given up for a mess of pottage. That was by Elder McConkie. Verse 18, For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and, tempta and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, which voice they had, which they heard, which they heard entreated that the, that the word should not be spoken to them any more. For they could not endure that which was commanded, and if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a, with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But ye are come unto Mount Sion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. A great many men suppose there is no difference between an angel and a spirit of a just man made perfect, but Paul makes a distinction. He tells us that the Hebrew church had come into the presence of God and angels and to the spirits of just men made perfect. The spirit of a just man made perfect, if he had made his appearance, would appear or be enveloped in flaming fire, and no man in this mortal state could endure it. But an angel could come and appear as another man. The spirits of just men are made ministering servants to those who are sealed up unto life eternal. Angels have advanced higher in knowledge and power than spirits. Spirits can only be revealed in flaming fire or glory. Angels have advanced farther, their light and glory being tabernacled, and hence they appear in bodily shape. That was by Joseph Smith. Let me explain just a little bit here what's going on. When he talks about spirits uh, can only come in glory. In other words, their light is shown. He's talking here about spirit persons, persons without a mortal tabernacle or a, a, a resurrected body. Uh, a person with a resurrected body can come uh, and not be not show his glory. In other words, he could come and just appear as a mortal um, because his glory is can be withheld by his physical body. So that's what he's saying. So when Jesus appears to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, he looks like he's just a traveler. He looks like a regular mortal person because his physical tabernacle can actually contain the glory of his uh, spirit. Hope I hope I explained that well. Anyway, verse 24. 
and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel, see that ye refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape. If we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved should have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Anyway, that's the end of the chapter, and we'll see you next time. Bye.